Welcome to Destiny Spirit Church. This week's message is by our senior pastor, Donna Astern. Tonight my title is, How Not to Get Eaten Alive. <laughs> so, that's because I don't want anybody to get eaten up alive. And so uh, we're speaking of spiritual enemies. <laughs> But let's uh, open our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to look at some scriptures and talk about some, draw some principles from here, talk about some things. In 1 Peter 5, I'm going to start with verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. That means he's looking for somebody, right? He's on the prowl, looking for somebody to have for lunch. Well, tonight I want to talk to you to make sure that you're not lunch, right? But he's looking for somebody, and he's not going to quit until he is satisfied. Just like an animal in the wild, right? You ever watch those shows, you know, Discovery Channel? You know, the tiger goes after, you know, the gazelle or whatever, and it's trying to get, and it might miss them. Actually, you know, predators miss them quite a bit in the wild. But what happens is, because he's hungry, he keeps at it until he does catch one, Right? So the devil is looking for somebody to occupy his time with in devouring them. Verse 9 says, But resist him, firming your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, the, there's some really good passage of scripture here, real good instructions to humble ourselves, not get worried about stuff. You know, you pray and trust God. Pray and trust God. And I was sharing with you some weeks ago that one time I was, had a concern upon my heart and I was praying. And I had prayed about the situation a little bit later on in the day as I was thinking about it. The Lord spoke to my heart and said, you did ask me to take care of that, right? And I said, yes. So, I put myself back in a place of faith. I'm not going to get into worry, and how's that going to work? I'm saying, God, I ask you to get involved. And I've been saying that a lot. Thank you, Lord God, for getting involved. Just thank you for getting involved. Thank you for getting in the middle of that situation over there because there's plenty of things he needs to be in the middle of that I can't get in the middle of, you know. So we're going to cast our cares upon him, but it also is to be sober and to be on the alert. And no, you know, there's a lot of times... People in the body of Christ act like there's no devil. They act like there's no problem. And, if, and then they get upset when all of a sudden, boom, out of nowhere, it seems, that here comes this massive problem. Well, guess what, folks? You have an enemy who is looking for someone to devour. And as I was given the illustration of the tiger and the gazelle, where's the, one, where's the gazelle going to be? It's the one that's on the outside, the perimeter. You know, a tiger doesn't charge into the center of a herd. Why not? Why not? He's going to get stomped, isn't he? He's going to get stomped. He's going to have a bunch of angry hooves stomping on him. So what does he do? It's too much work. It's too much work. 
So what he does is he looks for the one that's lagging behind, one that's weak, wounded, or sick, one that's separated a little bit from the rest of the group, and that's the one that they go after. You know, the devil does the same thing. He looks for those who are a little bit weak, a little bit wounded, a little bit separated from the group. You know, there really is safety in numbers. There really is safety. Because you know what happens is if the devil can isolate a person, he can cut them off, then he's more likely to eat their lunch and devour them. You know, but, if we're, but you think about it. If you and I, we remain in the middle, we remain in the middle of those relationships, for the devil to attack one of us, he's got to attack all of us. And not only that, but we join forces, we join together and pray and believe God for one another. Amen? All right, so let's look here. It says to resist him, stand firm in your faith, and knowing that the experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brother in the world. The same thing. Do you know what? That there's nothing new under the sun, Ecclesiastes says. You know, sometimes when you and I are going through a challenge or through a difficulty, we think we're the only ones. Nobody's had it as bad as me. You don't understand. Well, guess what? The Bible's real clear that there are plenty of people that are going through similar or even identical suffering to what you or I may be facing any, at any point. But the thing is, it doesn't matter the suffering you're going in. The charge is still the same. To be sober, to be alert, and to resist the enemy and be firm in your faith. And don't think you're a special case, but just hang in there and trust God. Because God intends to, the promise is, that He will perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish us. Hallelujah. Let's flip over now to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. So the enemy is on the prowl. He's looking for someone, looking for somebody to separate someone that he can devour and wreak havoc in their lives. And so let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, starting with verse 10. It says, But one whom you forgive anything, I forgive it also. For indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sake in the presence of Christ, so that no advantage will be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. The King James says, devices. We are not ignorant of his schemes or devices. And, why, and notice this in context. Sometimes people talk about, well, don't be ignorant of the devil's devices. But what's the context here? The context is forgiveness, isn't it? Forgiveness, because unforgiveness is an open door. It is one of the primary tactics of the enemy by which he devours people. It's through unforgiveness. And so the word says that we've got to keep our forgiveness up to date so there is no advantage being taken of us by Satan. Now, you and I know how it feels to be hurt and offended. We've all been there. You may be there right now, right? It's a yucky, awful feeling, right? But you know when you're feeling that way, you know you're vulnerable, don't you? If you've been around in any amount of time in Christianity, you know you are vulnerable because you know you're having some emotions, some sensations. You know you don't have the peace of God. You don't have the joy of the Lord. And you know this ain't right. And you know that if you don't deal with this, it's going to steal from you. It's going to rob from you. And as conscientious believers, we want to make sure we get it right. And there are times that you and I have each struggled with, okay, I've got to deal with this. I've got to forgive. I've got to get it past me because I cannot afford it. I cannot afford it, you know. It reminds me of the story that um, I heard Jack Frost telling years ago. Jack Frost was a, a commercial fisherman, 
has many had many adventures to tell of his adventures on the high seas but he was talking one time about being out there with one other buddy out there in the in the deep water somewhere and they had had some um, some tragedy at sea and a bunch of um, something had the boat was trying to capsize and the storm all kinds of disaster and in the process there had been this sheet uh, plate of glass had broken and it had it had shattered I mean it had cut him all up he was cut up and he and his buddy they got broken bones and everything and they're trying to pull and trying to keep their ship from going under and his his friends got broken or sprained or dislocated something and was with great difficulty he he thought I, I can't get down there and and plug up this hole I can't I can't and Jack was working on steering the boat and he says you don't understand I'm bleeding if we go down we're going to be shark food in about five minutes we can't afford to go down so I don't care what's broken you have to fix this and uh, fortunately they lived to tell that story um, <laughs> they didn't get it but you know the whole thing is he knew that because he had been cut he knew if he if if they got into the water you know life vest or nothing they were going to be dead what is it a shark can smell a drop of blood at what six miles something like that you know something so he was like we can't afford and that same thing he knew it was life or death to keep that ship afloat folks we got to understand the same thing with unforgiveness that thing is like blood to a shark. And you and I don't need to be exposed. See, the Bible says don't let Satan get an advantage. If he's going to look for someone to devour, let's not you and me be bleeding in the water. right? Let's get our wounds bandaged up. Let's get ourselves in a place of safety so that we're not being taken advantage of. Now, it says here in verse 11 that we are not to be ignorant of his schemes schemes we understand that the devil is known as the accuser as a deceiver and as a destroyer so what possible schemes might he have against a person against a family against a church let's just toss out a couple of ideas toss out think with me about this what kind of schemes would the accuser the deceiver and the destroyer have that would work against us, that would be harmful to us. Break up the family, okay? Trying to break up a family, right? What other kinds of schemes or devices? Manipulation, all right. What else? I mean, think about people you know or past experiences. What's working? Where's the devil winning? What's he doing? Lies? Breakdowns. Communication breakdowns. What else? Hitting finances. Okay. So, if the enemy, who has got 6,000 years of practice and experience with the human race, and he comes against the army of God, the beloved of Almighty, the people of God. And he says, I'm going to take you down. He's got wiles, he's got schemes and tactics that work very well and have for thousands of years. And so the word of God says for us not to be ignorant of his devices. 
We understand that in warfare, you know, you guys that have been in the military understand that one of the components of warfare is you have to know what your enemy is capable of. You have to know what they're capable of and how they're going to go about it so that what? You can be prepared and have a counterattack. Isn't that true? Right. So, there's, uh, have any of you ever heard of uh, Sun Tzu? TZU, Chinese guy, you've heard of him? He wrote a book, or there's a compilation of his lessons called The Art of War. He was a Chinese military genius, and he lived um, in about four t 476 to 221 B.C. in that period of time, so a couple of three, four hundred years before the Lord Jesus. And during that period of time, he had, there, there were, in that period of time, a hundred uh, there were a few hundred wars that took place in that couple hundred years, which was equivalent to 150 years of World War II. That's how much battle was going on. Well, he was, and they were fought nonstop between warring states and China. There's a lot of warfare going on. Well, he was a military genius who taught the art of war. And um, there is a, there's a story that is told about how that he was before the emperor, and the emperor had asked him, can you teach anybody warfare? He said, certainly I can. And he says, well, teach my harem, teach my concubines. And so he brought out all of these girls, all these women, and he says, I can make an army out of them. He says, how so? And he said, okay, then you give me free reign. He said, sure. And so he had them all line up. He had them all stand up in a row, and he says, I'm going to give you some instructions. I want you to listen to me carefully. When I say turn left, you turn left. When I say turn right, you look right. And you, know, and you do exactly what I say. And so he gave the instructions, and they all giggled and laughed, and nobody did it. And he said again, these are my instructions. Do you understand my instructions? He made sure they understood. And he gave the command again, look left, look right. They all giggled, nobody did it. He said, all right, execute the leaders. And the emperor said, wait, wait, wait. He says, I told you I could do this if you give me a free hand. So he executed the leaders. And then he says, all right, we're going to try that again. When I say look left, look left. He had no problems after that. <laughs> that was a pretty severe lesson, you know. But the thing is that the guy understood some things about how to win a war. He understood some things about warfare. And so he has a couple of, um, it's a very short book in case you're curious and you want to read it. A lot of businesses are using his, um, his insights for how to do business and marketing in a way to, to win in that marketplace. He made a couple of uh, quotes here. Better prepare for confrontation than hope that the enemy will not come. Better to prepare for confrontation than hope the enemy won't come. And how many times do I see people just hope when the devil doesn't come, hope when trouble doesn't come? He had another quote. Better ensure one's defense is impenetrable than hope the enemy will not attack. Sounds to me like Jesus talked about building your house upon the rock so that when the storms came, that the house would stand. You see, and there are so many people, they are surprised when the storms of life come. They're surprised when challenges come. They're surprised when the enemy starts working his devices against them. You see, we got to be smart. We understand the devil is an opportunist, and he is looking for who can he attack. He's got these schemes, these tactics. He's looking for our vulnerabilities and our weaknesses because he's looking for someone to devour. 
So I've got a list of common devices of warfare, very common things. And I believe that as we go through these, you'll be able to see how the devil has tried to use these things in your life and the people that you know and love and care about, either as in individual life or in your family or in a church. One of the very most common devices of warfare is to cut off supplies, to cut the supply lines, to isolate. Exactly right. In the Old Testament, we heard about how the, they would lay siege to a city. They cut off the food supplies so the people would go into famine, right? This is a very common tactic in warfare. We cut off the food. We cut off the water. We cut off whatever they need. And what's going to happen? Then we just wait, and they'll fall apart. Isolating, cutting, cutting them off. You know, they can't ask for help from any allies because they cut off all the communication channels. In the spirit realm, we understand that we all need spiritual reinforcements. We need active ministry connections to people. What's going to happen is sometimes the devil tries to cut off your supply lines. This happened one time specifically to me several years ago. I, have, I always have several people in my life that are mature saints of God that I can go to for counsel, for input, for whatever. And there was a time in my life where I was dealing with a situation and everybody I went to was suddenly inaccessible to me. They were out of the country, in the hospital, whatever. And I was like, the devil is trying to cut off my supply lines because if I don't have access to that person's wisdom, their support, their prayer, their love, then what's going to happen? I'm going to be hurting, aren't I? And when you and I sense that the enemy is trying to cut off our relationships, fight for those things and get you some more. When I realized that the, that the several people I have were all inaccessible, it showed me right then and there that I needed to have more people in my life. So I began to actively network, reach out, find some more people that I've got somebody else, you know, so that I'm not going to find myself cut off and isolated. Active ministry connections. You know, sometimes this happens. It's because we've got people in our lives, but because we have cut off communication with them, we never see them, we never talk to them. You know, the ties kind of fall apart sometimes. You know, the Bible says that in, a, in um, it talks about in a time of adversity, a, a friend is better, a friend who is near is better than a brother in a time of adversity. It's somebody who's near. Who's somebody who is near and who is accessible? Somebody you can get to, right? Okay. Also, cut off supplies and isolation has to do also with our nourishment. Instead of cutting off our natural food and water, there is a device the enemy to cut off our spiritual food and water. Tried to cut us off. What happens when most people get in pressure in their daily lives? What's the first thing to go? It's the devotions, right? Come on, the first thing that goes is reading the Bible and prayer. Everybody knows it. We've all been guilty. Why is that the first thing that goes? Because the devil is working to cut your supply line. Because if you don't get in the Word, if you haven't prayed, then you haven't heard his rhema word. You haven't been reminded of his promises. It's the thing is to cut you off and to make you more, more accessible to demons of doubt and unbelief and all those kinds of things, to, to get you off your faith and, and hope in God. He also wants to cut off, cut you off from teaching, cut you off from worship, cut you off from prayer. You know, sometimes it's like the only time anything goes wrong is when it's time to go to church. How many people have been knocked out of church, things were fine all through the week, 
but the devil knew that you did not need to be there that night because that night the word was going to come that was going to set you free. I've seen it happen over and over. A person comes down with a massive headache. When? Five minutes for time to go to church. You know what, folks? We cannot be ignorant of the devil's devices. And many times, that's what happens. Somebody gets offended. They get in a fight. They have a flat tire. They have something that happens. And you understand, it's not the flat tire. It's not the offense. Satan comes to steal the word. That's what he's after. When you, when you miss out, then you missed out on some rhema word that the Holy Spirit was going to drop. It may not have come through prophecy, but it may have been just the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you, giving you the word you need to go through. Amen. When we come together in, in the name of the Lord, we gather together, our expectation is, God, you're going to talk to me. You're going to talk to me about where I am, what I need to hear, what I need to know, where I need to be stirred up. You're going to talk to me. I don't have to have a prophecy, but I'm going to hear from you tonight, right? That's because this is, we come in an encounter, you know, to meet with God. And maybe it's just what you need is something's going to get broken off of you in worship. Hallelujah. How many times does that happen? You decide, if I can just get there, if I can just get there. My worship at home is terrible, but if I can just get there, right? I've been there plenty. And just get there and say, oh, thank you, God. This is what I needed, the refreshing water. You see, the devil tries to cut you off from spiritual nourishment. And what about prayer? You know, how many times have we prayed about things? We've, we've carried burdens by ourselves. It's just us. Oh, God, I just need help with this one thing. What happens when we get in the body of Christ? Guess what? There's somebody else there that can help you carry your burden. You know, I've had it happen, happen last week. We've closed down service, and a couple people say, I need prayer. Sure doesn't matter if the service is going or not. There's somebody here that will agree with you, connect with you, so you can get what you need from heaven. Amen? doesn't have to be on the schedule. Just the fact that we have made ourselves available to receive that ministry he has for us. So a common device is cutting off supplies in isolation. Now, let me also just let you know something else. For those of you who have no experience with military background, when my son was in basic training... And we went down to visit at the end of basic training before the graduation time and stuff. Um, you know, they, he talked to me about how much they fed them. They go into the chow hall and they fed those guys good. I mean, load up the tray. Why? Because these guys are in very intensive physical exertion. They're working really hard, right? And they're building muscle. And so they would load the trays up and eat, eat, eat. And then he told me that they had this thing they would do is every now and then they'd only give them like two minutes to eat and then they made them get up and go back out. Instead of you got your usual 15, 20, they said, okay, child's over, it's time to go. And you know, what? I just got started. And yet they had to go back out there. And what was the point of that? That's to teach you to be disciplined. When it's time to eat, you better eat, <laughs> Right? What would happen if the body of Christ had this same type of mentality? I don't know the exertion I'm going to need to expend. I need to get all the word I can as quickly as I can, get it downloaded, feed myself, get strong because I'm going to need to do it in battle. I'm going to need this for something later. 
Sometimes, folks, I'm going to tell you what happens. People get to where they face a challenge in their life. You know, sickness comes, financial problem, relationship, whatever, big, massive problem. And they are so spiritually anemic and weak that they don't have the faith to pull it off. They don't have the power to, see, to believe God. And they've got to have six people prop them up and pray over and prophesy to them and then call them in the night and make sure they're okay. You know, God, the Bible says that to endure hardness is good soldier. You know, good soldiers know how to feed themselves, word of God, and take advantage of what is being put out there, right? So, in what happens sometimes is people have gotten discouraged because they read that place where it says faith is a grain of mustard seed, and they thought, okay, that means little dabble, do you? That means I don't need to put much effort here. That means I, have to, I don't have to apply very much. I heard a faith teaching one time, oh, six or seven years ago, I'm good. You know, and then what happens is they get in the middle of a situation that they really need to put some muscle behind it, and they don't have any muscle. And then what happens? Oh, God don't answer prayer. I don't believe that teaching anymore. Prophecy's not true. And they blame it on everything except that, you guys, where was your muscle? Where was being built up? There needs to be a strong foundation of the Word of God. I feel like that's something I say all the time. There's got to be a strong foundation of the Word of God. Because in the, in the day of adversity that will come, if you're not in one right now, it's coming. You want to make sure you stand, live through it, tell about it, and help save, help save somebody else from disaster in the midst of it. Instead of always being the one having to be rescued, Right? Who rescues the rescuers? What makes a person a rescuer? Somebody who has put the word of God inside and just moved out on it, believes God. And I'm going to believe God for you too. Amen. Amen. Some battles call for extreme levels. You know, spiritual Twinkies and Coca-Cola is not going to cut it for some of the battles that you and I have to face. How many of you have ever done something like that? Is you got up one morning, you didn't have time to eat, and then you decide to go do something like move furniture or something that's physically strenuous, and after a while you start to fade. Lots of people just go grab another Twinkie and another Coke, right? <laughs> Get that sugar up there again, right? But what, hap what happens is you find that you don't have the strength to push through. Why? Because you didn't have the foresight to see that it was going to be coming. Folks, you and I don't know what we're going to be facing tomorrow or next week. That's why the Bible teaches us to be prepared now. Eat like there's no tomorrow. Because you don't know what to, what's going to be there. And meanwhile, you're building strong muscle. Now, supply lines. Supply lines, understand, it's not just coming to us. We talk about a supply line, so I get my spiritual nourishment, I get my ministry, but do you understand you're a part of the supply line for somebody else? You're meant to be there for somebody else. How many of you ever seen on TV when watch a movie and they've got the bucket, the bucket brigade putting out the fire, right? And so you've got a long line of people, the fire is way over here, and you've got the waters way over here on the other side, and that somebody scoops it up and they pass the bucket all the way down. You know, in the middle, passing the bucket is a very important place to be. How many times we are just in the middle say, well, I'm not a teacher. I don't prophesy. Yeah, well, you in the middle, pass the bucket. Pass the bucket. 
How many times can we pass on and be a source of supply, nourishment, and encouragement to somebody else? You know, we can, we can, we can share a tape. We can share a CD. We can also, you know, prophesy to them. We can pray for them. We can tell them, well, you know what? I was in a similar situation. Let me tell you what God did in my life. And be that supply line that's for somebody else. And let's not leave somebody else out there to just make it on their own. Amen. It's just not only coming in, but keep that supply going out, too. One time I was, um, um, I realized one time, well, I won't tell the story there, but I realized one time that sometimes the reason you don't get any more revelation is because you have not given away the revelation you got. Give away what you got, and then you get some more. Give away what you got, and you get some more. So share what you got, whatever God is doing in your life. Be a blessing. If it's blessed you, share it. I'm so good about sharing stuff as far as I just want everybody in on it. It's so good. I'll forward to 15 people. That was the best article I've read in three weeks. You know, something I think will really help people. I'll duplicate CDs and, you know, buy stacks of books and pass them out because I want to keep the supply line going. And when you get through, hey, pass it on. You know, read it again, make a copy, do something. Pass it on. Get it out there. You're a supply line for somebody else. Don't let the devil isolate you either way, coming or going. Another common device of warfare is to destroy allies and destroy trust. To destroy allies and trust. This happens in warfare all the time. In natural warfare as well as spiritual warfare. You know, because the devil knows that if two are agreed, right, they are dangerous. And so any time that there is a covenant relationship, whether it's a friendship, a marriage, whatever it is, there's a strong covenant relationship, you better believe it. At some point, the devil's going to try to split you up. He's going to work hard to split you up because your agreement is dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. And so how does that happen? You know, well... Offense, for one thing. Offense. We get offended. We get disappointed. Strife. Division. Criticism. Accusation. Suspicion. It's amazing. You know, the Bible tells us to believe the best about one another. Did y'all read that in 1 Corinthians 13? The Bible, if you didn't, go back there and read it. It says, love believes the best. Love believes the best. That means that we're not quick to believe an evil report. That means we're going to give somebody the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they didn't mean it like that. You know, maybe that doesn't mean anything. Maybe it's not about you. <laughs> maybe it's about something completely else. But it is a revelation, right? Maybe it's about something else. And give people the benefit of the doubt. Well, maybe it's something. You know, and not allow our, our trust to be destroyed. This is, this is a very, you know, such a common and a sad thing. But we watch it over and over again. You know, it happened to Jesus, right? Judas, one of his in, inner circle of 12. One of them got offended, didn't like the way the ministry was going, didn't think he was getting what he should have gotten out of it, and so he sold Jesus for a bag of silver. Unfortunately, we live in a time to where there is more strife and division than there is unity, apparently. You know, Jesus prayed that we might be one. And I look and it's like, man... Does anything stay together more than 10 years? I mean, can you count on your hand how many friendships you've got that have lasted more than 10 years? How many churches go through split after split after split 
turnover, staff, turnover, left and right, left and right. You know, and it's always, not always, sometimes people are just mad and upset and they give in to, they don't, they don't understand this is, see, the devil doesn't care. He doesn't care about your marriage, doesn't care about your church, he doesn't care about your family. What he cares about is splitting you up. That's what he cares about. So it doesn't matter what method, as long as it happens, right? And some people fall into a deception, and they think, well, it's just better off if we just separate. And what's the, what's the devil done? Split up. As long as the end result's the same, right? doesn't matter. We've got to be not ignorant of his devices. And when you recognize that there is a scheme trying to divide, trying to separate, Folks, let's not just lay down and play dead about that thing. Let's pray, forgive, and extend ourselves in love. Give people some room sometimes if you need to, but extend yourself in love. Make sure your heart's right before God and keep out there. You know, a lot of times people get offended and accused and they never even tell anybody about it. Nobody even knows. They just vanish one day. You're like, what happened? It's all isolation because you see... The devil doesn't want you talking because if you talk to one another, you might work it out, right? So let's don't talk. And how many Christians think that's godly to not talk? It's godly. Well, I just didn't want to get into an argument. Well, I just didn't want to get into, no, you're being a coward. How many think that's true? Because nobody likes, most people don't like confrontation, disagreement. We don't like those yucky feelings. But if you ignore them, do they go away? No, they don't go away. They go down deep and they plant roots. I don't enjoy confrontation. I don't enjoy working that stuff out. But I have, I have learned this. It's life. And so we can either run from it or we can deal with it. I wonder why the Bible keeps telling us things like deal with it. It doesn't say exactly deal with it, but it does say things like forgive people, you know, believe the best, stuff like that. Amen? Another device of the enemy, a very common tactic, is to incapacitate or remove leaders and operations. Incapacitate or remove leaders and operations. Jesus said, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. In battlefield, and the kings of we read stories about the kings of Israel. Um, who was the king um, Ahab that was going out to war, and he switched clothes? Was it Ahab that switched clothes with the other guy? I forget who it was. One of the kings, anyway. He didn't want to be he didn't want to be singled out by an archer, so he switched clothes with somebody else so they didn't know he was the king. And he still got killed. <laughs> A stray arrow found him. Well, you know, I think God wanted him dead. That was it. But, you know, <laughs> he is an evil king, you know. But, but the thing is, like, in, in ancient warfare, that's what they did. And in modern warfare, what do they do? Pick off the officers. Isn't that what they're trained? Pick off the officers. Pick off the leaders. Why? Because it will discourage and weaken the troops. And many times, if they can pick off the leaders, then the troops will scatter, retreat, and end of battle. So the devil does the same thing. Why do you think he comes against leaders so hard? I talked to you a couple of weeks about the rejection, the criticism that leaders are going to face. I'm it doesn't matter. You could be Jesus Christ and not please everybody, right? That's really true. 
And so anybody who is up front in a place of visible ministry, especially worship leaders, teachers, are highly visible targets. And so the enemy is wanting to knock them out of commission, incapacitate them, or just completely remove them out of the scene. And how does he do that? Well, I mean, in a myriad of ways. One of them is through betrayal. Betrayal and wounding. You know, Paul talked about Demas. He says, Demas had forsaken him, having loved this present world. Demas was one of Paul's, you know, trained ministers, a guy who worked with him in ministry. But the devil carved him out. He said he didn't want to do this anymore and removed Demas and all of his ministry out. You know what? That weakened the ministry that Paul was building. And the devil does the same thing. He gets, he gets leaders betrayed, betray leaders one to another, wound them, incapacitate them, you see, to where, you know, we've watched it in the headlines. We've seen leaders that have, that have fallen, have been, have been through horrendous things just through wounding. And then they get the criticism and all this kind of stuff too. And that's why the Bible tells us to pray for our leaders because you really don't know what they're facing. You really don't know. When you become a leader, there is a bullseye that is drawn on your back. And so you will come under more attacks and more criticism, more discouragement, more wounding than other people. And, so, and then the larger a person's ministry, the much more that is amplified. And what happens, the larger a person's ministry, what happens to their critics? The larger their critics, right? How many people want to criticize any of the nationally known ministers. You're going to criticize people who are doing great things for God. Are they perfect? Absolutely not. Are they making mistakes? Certainly. Is all their doctrine right? Probably not. But you know what? They're doing great things for God and being criticized left and right for it. When we criticize our leaders, you know what that does? It looses demons. It looses, loosens demons. You don't know what happens in the middle of the night when all those demons gang up together and surround that leader and can make a leader feel absolutely isolated. You know, Paul felt that way. Paul felt extremely isolated at times. It's discouraging. And so many times there are people, um, I forgot the statistics, but there's an alarming number of people who quit the ministry every day just because it's too hard, because they can't take the warfare, because the cost of the relationships is too difficult. People, people quit. And what happens when they quit? Devil one. Devil one. Another device, propaganda, to cause disillusionment. You know, propaganda, we don't hear a whole lot about it these days. But back in, um, in, in some previous generations in wars, they would have some uh, missiles that they would launch over enemy territory, and when they exploded, leaflets, flyers came out. And they had radio, rodeo, excuse me, radio programs that played popular music that the troops wanted to hear, but the DJ was a woman who was telling them to give up the fight. You know, Tokyo Rose, one from Korea, and just said, you know, you'll never win. You know, your country's a sham. And just, she would be tearing them down, but they would tune to her because of the music, because it was popular American music that she played. Propaganda the leaflets that would come out. The same thing is happening right now. It's happening. You know, there is propaganda. The devil has got a mission, and so he's, he's talking to people. 
they're reading stuff on the internet, they're talking to so-and-so, they're getting, you know, I heard this and I heard that, and they're believing this and believing that. And the whole point of propaganda is disillusionment, is to get you to give up and to quit. Propaganda, you know, it causes confusion, distraction, doubt, double-mindedness. Well, I don't know if I believe that anymore. I don't know, I don't know. Hey, who are you listening to? Propaganda comes as a weapon of the enemy. You know, we, we can't, the Bible tells us not to believe every voice. There are many voices in the world, right? Not to believe all of them. Another device of the enemy is to incite rebellion and anarchy. I think that sometimes that's what we think is, is the frontal attack. Something where I know that was a devil. I mean, it was fat front, right? Hello, I'm the devil. I've come to destroy it. And sometimes we, we've seen a frontal attack. It's just like, man, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. But many times in, the, in a family or in a church situation, it winds up coming from inside. Rebellion comes up, anarchy comes up, and the root of that is pride and ambition. Somebody gets stirred up has happened with um, the children of Israel that came out from Egypt. And so what happens is Moses is trying to obey God and lead them. And so what happened? Here comes, you know, rebellion. Korah has raised up. And, and who's this Moses? And we shouldn't be listening to him anymore and blah, blah, blah. And the whole thing was to get them off track. We've got to learn to recognize when rebellion is coming up. Do you understand that correction from, from, the, correction from underneath is rebellion? Parents do not correct their, uh, parents correct their children. Children do not correct their parents, right? Right? You don't correct your boss at work, do you? Why? Because he's any better than you? No, because he's your boss. Because there's a position of authority and responsibility and respect that your boss has, right? But we live in America where everybody just feels, well, let's just run the mouth. Let's just run the mouth, especially in the church. But correction, I mean, there's a, there's, a way to bring, there's a way to bring something to, you know, your boss's attention. There's a way to bring something up that's not rebellion, that's not anarchy, all right? Another device of the enemy is to lull to complacency. To lull to complacency. This happens when people become apathetic, become carnal. They get to where... They back off of pursuing the things of God. Jesus told the parable about the rich man who wanted to build bigger and bigger barns. And he did not know that that night his soul would be required of him. And the Bible talks about the deceitfulness of riches. Jesus said it would, it would come and it would choke the word. That's where people get so involved in their job, in their business, in the world, in sports, in entertainment, in whatever, to where they become apathetic towards the things of God. What it reminds me of is um, Jedi mind tricks. You know the Jedi mind tricks? That's when he said, you don't want to go there. No, I don't want to go there. You don't want to go to church tonight. No, I don't want to go to church tonight. You don't want to read your Bible today. No, I don't want to read my Bible today. You don't want to go to that meeting. No, I don't want to go to that meeting. Jedi mind tricks. I think the devil does it to people all the time. <laughs> well, come on. I'm right, aren't I? Does stuff like that. You think it's your idea. And what happens? Oh, good. Good. I got them to back off. You don't need to work that hard. You don't need to fast. You're into grace. <laughs> All that stuff to where it gets, makes people complacent. 
Bible says in the Song of Solomon, what? It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little things. It's letting little things slip. Ah, you don't have to take care of it. It's no big deal. Let it go. Taking care of, as, as far as it's a temptation to take the easy way out and to avoid dealing with issues. Just take the easy way out. It's all right. You don't want to mess with it. You don't want to go talk to them. It's going to be unpleasant. You don't want to do it. Another device the enemy is weariness. It's the battering, the shock and awe, you know, battering one thing after another. Person gets hit in their finances, then gets hit in their, their health, gets hit in their relationships, gets hit in this, gets hit in this, and this, and this, and it comes one on top of the other. And to where you feel like you just want to go fi- crawl in a hole somewhere and pull the top over you because the battle is raging. It's so hard out there. This is... The, the purpose of that is to bring on weariness, struggles, discouragement, plowing away over and over again. You know that sometimes, the Bible talks in the uh, book, book of Daniel that Satan seeks to wear out the saints, mm-hmm. to wear you out, mm-hmm. right? You know, I think it's interesting that Jesus told the disciples from time to time to go away and rest, come away and rest. Because you know what? If you're on all the time, you can get worn out. You can have all the desire to move forward, but if you've run to the end of your steam, you're at the end of your steam. So that's why it's also really important that we take a Sabbath. It's really important that we take some time to pull back so that we've got the energy and the faith and the power that we need to move forward. Hallelujah. And then another device I have, the last device I have, is lack of accurate intelligence. You know... Boy, lack of accurate intelligence. Sometimes, folks, we got bad doctrine that will keep us in a place of not receiving what God has, a place of wrong mindsets that will keep us in bondage. You know, if you believe that God wants you to stay sick so he'll teach you something, then the devil's going to eat your lunch. You're going to have sickness after sickness. I met a guy one time many years ago. He was a young guy, and, and he made this, he didn't know any better. He was stupid. He learned since then. But he just made this remark, and he says, Well, God, if, that's, if this is really what you want, then why don't you give me cancer? He came down with skin cancer in his arm. And he was a pretty new Christian, and, um, and I had met him after his treatment, his surgery, stuff. He was a, he was a pilot. And so he was coming to my Bible study, and I started talking about the words of your mouth. He came up to me, and he says, did I do that to myself? I said, uh-huh. And he said, I had no idea. You see, bad doctrine, wrong mindsets. He cursed himself with skin cancer. I mean, <laughs> you know, fortunately, praise God, you know, he learned better and, and quit doing that. But, you know, see, the devil will prey upon what you don't know or what you believe inaccurately. He'll prey upon that because he is looking for weaknesses and looking for vulnerability. I want us to look at John chapter 2. John 2. See, he's just looking for somebody to devour. If you've got some bad doctrine, if you've got some pride, some weariness, you might be a sitting duck. We want to make sure that we get ourselves out of that vulnerable, weak place 
get some covering, some protection, so that we're no longer going to, going to be taken out. Every time I read this passage of scripture, it always strikes me. John 2, 23. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name, observing his signs which he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, was not entrusting himself to them, for he knew all men. And because he did not need to trust, he did not need anyone to testify concerning man, for he himself knew what was in man. Every time I read this scripture, this strikes me. Jesus loved everybody completely, but he knew what they were capable of. Even his 12 disciples, handpicked, he knew that Judas was capable of betrayal. So was Peter. He knew that James and John had a hot temper and were just as liable to call down fire on a village as heal it. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, he knew what their weaknesses were. And so therefore, he did not entrust himself to them. What that means is he didn't put his survival, his success in those people's hands. But he's trusting God. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. People are going to hurt you. They're going to wound you. They're going to let you down. And when people have a crisis in their life and you see them act up, act ugly, you just locate them. You just locate them. Sometimes we have people, and as long as we're you know, coming every week and everything's fine and hunky-dory, we love each other, it's all good, and it's great, and you're, oh, yeah, 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 you're the best person, man, I just love you, I just love you, we're like family, you know. And then, you know, six months, eight months, ten years, whatever, something, an offense comes in. And then you watch the person that you thought you knew and trusted behave in a way that takes you back. Anybody ever been there? I have been just like, wow, never would have thought this would have ever happened like this. What does that tell you? We gotta be more like Jesus. Not pessimistic, not negative, but looking at people with love and acceptance and forgiveness and saying, you know what? You're human, you're going to make mistakes. There's going to be some time that the devil's going to try to trip you up and you might stumble and fall and you might lash out in the process. But we're going to know what's in people, not entrust ourselves to them, but we're going to love them and forgive them and be there when they get back up. I believe very much in redemption and being there when they get back up. There are some people, you know, you watch and they just go make a mess of things. And then we're there to pick up the pieces later on. Anybody else been in that spot before? Sure. Been there to pick up the pieces. That's why I don't like to burn bridges with people. I don't like to burn bridges. You know, because someday they might need to come back over. They might need to come back. So I want to keep the door open, if at all possible. But understand that people are going to let you down. He knew what was in man. He knew, that he knew that Judas was a thief. He knew it. He knew Peter. He told Peter, you're going to betray me three times tonight. He knew it. 
didn't stop him from calling Judas friend. And it didn't stop him from going back when Peter wanted to get it right. I mean, Jesus went to him, right? After the, after the resurrection, Jesus went to him to restore. Folks, the devil will use every weakness and every vulnerability if possible to try to destroy God's church, try to destroy our relationships, try to destroy us. And he will use people's weaknesses to do it. People will get mad and upset and offended. They'll, they'll get ugly. They'll get into strife and selfishness and pettiness. They get into all that stuff. But we've got to understand, that's just what's in people. You see, God's never surprised at anything you and I do. He's never surprised because he knows what's in here. He knows what we're capable of. You and I get surprised because we didn't know people were capable. Don't you always hear that about, they talk about the, you know, the horrible guy has been a serial killer, and he was such a nice guy. Who, we didn't think he was capable. <laughs> and find out, yeah, he was capable of a lot of things that nobody knew of. This is also, this is not a place of judgmentalism and criticism. This is a place of humility. Because the Bible says that the, the heart is deceitful and corrupt, right? Deceitful above all things and corrupt. And so, I've seen some pretty ugly stuff inside my own heart. Have you? I've seen some pretty ugly stuff in there. I mean, after I'm saved, I'm telling you. Right. Oh, yeah, before I was saved. No, I mean since then. <laughs> I mean since then. Seen some stuff in there that I didn't like. You know? But I know that the stuff in me that's not yet made perfect, God wants to use that in your life so that you can forgive me, get over it, and build a bridge. The devil wants to use it to split us up. But you see, we're always going to have imperfect people. That's all we got. So that means that we learn to do what the Bible says, and love overcomes. Love believes the best and overcomes. Overlooks a fault, a fault, right? Overlooks those things. Let those things go. And not allow the enemy to split us up and to, divorce, to divide us. We're going to forgive people and love them anyway. In the very famous passage of scripture from Ephesians 6, where it talks about to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Verse 13 says, Therefore take up the full armor of God, so that you'll be able to stand, be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Having done everything, to stand firm. The devil has got devices, he's got schemes that is working pretty well for him in lots of people's lives right now. And he thinks that he can take you and me out too with the same stuff that's working out there. How are we going to get over it? How are we going to win? We've got to overcome evil with good. We've got to walk in the opposite spirit. When everybody else around you just says, write them off, don't have anything to do with them anymore, you know, you and I, Forgive and give a cup of cold water to somebody who's hurting. How not to get eaten alive, folks. Real quick things. Be alert. Know what your weaknesses are and your vulnerability is. If you know that you've got a touchiness or you know you've got a hot temper or you've got a weakness here or there, know that weakness. You're not all strong in every area. 
I talked to one person one time, and she said, you know, I've, I've smoked all the cigarettes I ever wanted to, which was zero. She was never tempted with nicotine, never, ever tempted with it. I know other people have been struggling with that type of addiction, that type of temptation. You know, we don't get all the identical type, you know, identical thing doesn't appeal to everybody. So you got to know what your particular weaknesses are, where your tendencies are to mess up so that you can guard those and have some people around you to help you. Know your weaknesses, know your vulnerability. Resist the devil and his devices. Resist them. When you know that your, that your weakness is a hot temper, how are you going to resist that? You're going to begin to cultivate some patience, some forgiveness, some believing the best. Forgive people and yourself. Sometimes we're our own worst enemies because we don't forgive ourselves. That works too. You know, it's a device to separate, separate you from the heart of God. Forgiving other people will go so far to dismantling everything that the devil's been trying to build up. Keep your supply lines intact, both coming and going. Make sure you're getting that nourishment, that food in, and you're giving it out. Make sure your relationships are growing, they're strong. If you're finding challenges in your relationships, go that second mile and reach out. Get you some new ones cultivated. You know, sometimes be the first person to go f to, to be vulnerable with another person, you know. Lots of people are always concerned about their own safety and if I feel okay around you. But you know what? If I go first and tell you about my struggle or I tell you about my problem or something, that kind of puts you at ease that, well, maybe it's okay if I talk about my problem, you know, if we go first, right? This is just is this device. It's, I mean, it's something we can do that works counter to what the devil does. Also, stand in faith. Be consistent. Be committed to growth. That we're not going to be passive and where we used to be, but we're committed to growing in the things of God, building my spiritual muscle. Stay in relationship. Stay in fellowship. God doesn't need any more Christians sitting on top of a mountain all by themselves. We're in relationship. Build on purpose. Develop relationships. Develop fellowship. Walk in love towards one another. Overcome evil with good. Well, the devil's trying to get you to be offended, to listen to gossip, to spread gossip. Go in the opposite spirit. You know how to shut up gossip? Start t talking wonderful things about the person they're gossiping about. That will shut them up. You start talking about what a wonderful blessing that person is. Oh, I think they're awesome at this, that, and the other. That will shut them up. Because they know why. Because you won't listen. And, you know, be a man or woman of courage and don't listen. Stand up and say, I'm, either I'm going to get to the bottom of it or we're going to stop it. All right? And then pray for one another. Pray for one another. That we all pass our tests. That we overcome. The devil doesn't take anybody. Doesn't get a hold of anybody. So let me ask you this, folks. Where are you vulnerable tonight? If you look over that list of devices, where's the place where the devil gets in? You know? Is it in the propaganda, the complacency, because you don't have the right information, cutting off your supplies, trying to destroy trusting relationships? What's going on? Where's your vulnerability? You know, do you recognize, do you have some areas that need to be healed or that need to be strengthened? If you know that, well, I've got a tendency to believe 
that people are just you know, talking about me all the time, or I've got a tendency to not trust leaders. If you know there's something that's going on, that we can, we can work with it. You know, let's heal it and get it delivered, get you strengthened. Is there somebody that you've gotten offense with right now? If there's somebody you're offended with, it's an open door for the enemy. You know, it's like Henry Wright says, you've got to be able to forgive everybody you've ever met in your life. Everybody, living or dead, because we can't afford that sickness. We can't afford that open door for the enemy to come in. Is there anybody that you've gotten offense with this right now? Is there a wall up between you and somebody else? Or do you need somebody to help you with your burden? Are you feeling like you're all alone and isolated and nobody knows what's going on? Do you need some help? I want us to get into circles of three or four people and begin to pray for one another. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit Church or additional teaching CDs or training events, please visit our website at www.destinyspirit.com or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Church, P.O. Box 15252, Chesapeake, Virginia, 23328. Thank you.